Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting Podcast. I'm Ryan McChrystal. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan underscore McChrystal. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Sharp Angles Podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today, where you'll get all four of our weekly podcasts. And also, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Look up Warren Sharp on YouTube for fantasy football insight, matchup previews, in-depth stats and analysis, and plenty more. And also, since we're entering the heart of bowl season right now, uh, be sure to check out my work on sharpfootballanalysis.com, or you can find links to all my college football stuff on my Twitter, where I've been posting a feed of any college football bowl previews that I have been writing for the site uh, this season, in addition to a few other props and other bowl bets that I've just been posting directly to Twitter there. So be sure to check that out if you're going to be watching some bowl games over the next week or so. And if you're interested in placing any of uh, any bets on those games, I'll try to have a few more up now that we're really getting into the the meat of the bowl schedule, but I do already have previews up on the website for each of the um, each of the college football playoff games, the TCU mission game and the Ohio state Georgia game. So if you want to place a bet on that game, we've got a full game breakdown of, of each of those games. In addition to one bet I like in each matchup for those bowl games, but now let's dive into some NFL action. And I'm going to start things off today with a couple of the uh, usual props that we've been playing a lot lately. There's two props, uh, that I'm going to hit on here just real quick because we've talked about them a lot. The first one, of course, being Nick Chubb, longest rush. We're going to be on the over at 19 and a half yards or lower against Washington. Now, this line has been available at some lower numbers recently. And if you remember earlier in the season, I was frequently citing the stat of how often he was hitting his longest rush at 20 yards or longer. He had a really, a really good streak. I think it was like 10 of 12 this season. And he also did it in the final five games of last season. He's actually now gone three straight weeks where his longest rush has been under 20 yards, but we've also seen the line on this prop drop. So even in those three games, he still hit the over on his longest rush in two of those three. So because we're seeing longer lines, even though we've seen a slight drop off in his longest rush in those games, it's still been a winner for us at a really high rate. So I'm going to take it again this week. Last week, the line was only set was 17 and a half and he hit the over the week before it was 16 and a half and he hit the over. So we're seeing some, some lower numbers here. So I'm saying I'm going to take it up to 19 and a half. I'm going to bet on him bouncing back and getting a 20 yard rush. But based on where we've seen in the past couple of weeks, I think there's a pretty good chance we actually get a lower number than 19 and a half. So they're, they're playing Washington this week. They're not. They're not a bad defense. They allow three or more yards before contact on 22% of carries by running backs. That's slightly better than the league average of 24%. But again, Chubb has just been so consistent. We've been taking him regardless of the matchup. So Nick Chubb against a league average defense. I'm going to bet on him keeping this trend alive and hitting the over on his longest rush. The other prop that we have been playing recently, we've done it two weeks in a row now, is the under on Mac Jones interceptions. He gets the Dolphins this week. Jones has only thrown one interception in his last seven games now. So this has been a consistent uh, winner. If you're taking the under at uh, 0.5 interceptions, that's where it's going to be. Obviously, the juice is not going to be in our favor because he's got a, a nice long streak here. But I think if we continue to play this, it's going to continue to be a winner more often than not. And it just has to do with the, you know, the same number that I've been referencing the past couple of weeks. They have absolutely no faith in Mac Jones in New England. Uh, they don't trust him to throw the ball downfield, and so they're just not letting him do it. And it really doesn't matter how talented you are at quarterback. If you're not throwing the ball past the line of scrimmage, you're not going to throw interceptions. And so since Jones returned from injury in week seven, 28% of 
of his pass attempts have not crossed the line of scrimmage. That's the second highest rate in the league. Prior to his injury, that rate was 16%, the fifth lowest rate. So early in the season, they wanted to open up the offense more for Mac Jones. But as you know, as I've been saying the past couple of weeks, they that did not go well. He threw a bunch of interceptions. I believe it was five interceptions through those first three weeks. He did not play well. They didn't like the way that looked. And once he came back, they just decided, you know what? We don't trust you anymore. We're going to take the ball out of your hands most of the time. And so, you know, roughly one out of every three of it, three attempts that he had doesn't even cross the line of scrimmage. So that means a significant portion of the time, significant portion of the time when he drops back to pass, he doesn't even have a chance to throw an interception. It's essentially just another run play. So with a really low, like true passing volume, downfield passing volume for Mac Jones, he's going to continue to not throw interceptions at a really high rate because he, they're just not putting him in a position to do so. So I'm, I'm going to trust this throughout the rest of the season based on what the Patriots offense looks like. And I'm going to continue to bet the under on Mac Jones interception against the Dolphins this week. All right. The next prop is a guy that I'm not sure I've mentioned on the podcast at all this season to Alan Lazard. And I'm going to be on the over on his longest reception against the Minnesota Vikings this week. And I would be willing to bet the over up to 21 and a half yards. That's a bit higher than it was last week. Uh, I'm expecting because he hit the over last week and he had a nice long reception. Um, and the Vikings defense is favorable for this type of prop as I'll get into in a minute. So I'm I'm expecting it to jump up a little bit, and I'll still take the over up to 21 and a half yards. He leads the team with 23 targets on the deep ball this season. That's we're calling the deep ball anything 20 or more yards downfield. Now, part of that is early in the season they didn't trust Christian Watson, and obviously he's broken out as of late. They certainly trust him more over the last six games. Watson actually leads the team in downfield targets with nine, but. Even in that six-game stretch, Lazard is right there with him. He's got eight targets at 20 or more yards downfield. So they're continuing to give Lazard opportunities downfield, as we saw last week when he hit the over on this prop. It's just that they're also mixing it into Watson a little bit as well. So his usage on the deep ball has dropped slightly in recent weeks, but they definitely still trust him. He is a downfield weapon for them, and this is a favorable opportunity for him against Minnesota. The Vikings have a lot of 30 receptions at 20 or more yards downfield this season. That's the third most in the league. And teams generally feel comfortable challenging them downfield because they give up a high completion rate as well. 45.5% completion rate at 20 or more yards downfield. That ranks 27th in the league. They're not really a dangerous defense. They don't excel at getting their hands on the ball in those downfield throws. So I think we should assume that the Packers offense is going to be relatively aggressive in attacking this defense downfield and Lazard should get a couple opportunities on the deep ball this week now saying that Aaron Rodgers is going to be aggressive if you've been following the Packers this season you might be questioning that because in general they've been a pretty conservative passing offense in fact talking about Mac Jones I just referenced how he has the second highest rate of not throwing the ball past the line of scrimmage the guy who leads the league is Aaron Rodgers 31% of his passes this season have not crossed the line of scrimmage. That's the highest rate in the league. That's somewhat stunning when you think that this is Aaron Rodgers. Normally, the quarterback is putting up numbers like that is a guy like Mac Jones, who has lost the faith of his coaching staff, essentially. Rodgers is doing it at a really high rate. However, it comes at the expense of the other short passes and the intermediate passing game. It does not come at the expense of the deep ball. In fact, Rodgers has the eighth highest rate of throwing the ball 20 or more yards downfield this season. So 
yes, this is a very conservative offense in terms of how often they're using the screens and using other short stuff in the passing game, but they still take shots downfield. Aaron Rodgers still wants to trust his receivers downfield and he will continue to take those shots. So, you know, he's eliminated the intermediate stuff, but he's still throwing downfield. And that means that against a bad defense like the Vikings, a team that gives up receptions downfield, Rodgers is going to take some shots and Lazard is going to get some of those shots. Now, maybe Christian Watson gets some of those shots as well as we've seen in recent weeks, but he was dealing with a hip injury last game. His status is up in the air as of right now while I'm recording this, though it certainly seems like it's trending in a bad direction. And I think it's also worth pointing out that it's it's right now it's supposed to be 37 degrees in Green Bay for this game. You know, that you know, he could certainly could play through an injury, but anyone dealing with an injury, you're going to be a little bit less likely to push them to play through it in cold weather. It's just a little bit harder to get warmed up. It's a little bit harder to deal with it. So I would say it's probably trending in a bad direction for Watson, which means that if Rodgers is going to be taking a lot of shots downfield, it could mean a pretty significant usage for Lazard in the downfield passing game if Watson's not out there. So I like this regardless of Watson's status because he's probably going to be less than 100% even if he does play. And if Watson is out, then I love it because I think Lazard is going to get you know multiple opportunities. And you know with this, where this prop has been available in recent weeks, I don't expect it to go over that 21.5 number that where I said I'm comfortable taking it. Probably only takes one reception for him on the deep ball to get over that number. So I think this is a really good combination of potentially increased usage due to injury and also just a really good matchup against a favorable defense. Another wide receiver prop I like this week is the over on Amon Ross St. Brown's receptions at six and a half against the Chicago Bears. And I don't have a whole lot of advanced stats to really support this number other than just an expectation that they're going to lean heavily on him in a must-win game. And he's been consistently going over. He's at the over on his receptions prop in six of the last seven games. And as I said, this is a must-win game for them against the Bears. And he's clearly the focal point of the offense. They trust him more than anybody. You know, just to put some numbers behind it to drive home that point, since they traded TJ Hawkinson, when the game is within one score, St. Brown has a 31% target share. So when they need a big play, they are looking at him at a really high rate in the passing game. I think they just try to feed him the ball consistently throughout this game because that's just who they trust the most. This is a must-win opportunity for them. They're not going up against a really challenging defense. They should be able to feed him the ball on a regular basis. And there may even be something here in the Bears defense that they think they can exploit because in their last meeting, St. Brown had 10 receptions on 11 targets. So they peppered him with targets in the last game, and he came down with almost every single one of them. So there may even be something here with the defense. I, I tried to dig into some coverage stuff and come up with an explanation for that. I, I couldn't really do it, so maybe that was just a little bit of a fluke. But you know, re- regardless of whether that heavy usage in the last meeting was a fluke, in this game, in this must-win game, you know, the way we've seen this offense run is that in the in these situations, in critical moments, they're going to go to the guys that they trust the most. That's been Jamal Williams in the run game a lot, although his usage has declined obviously in recent weeks. And in the passing game, clearly, without question, it's St. Brown's. They trust him more than anybody else, and I think he's just going to get fed target after target in this game. All right, jumping now to some running back props. Another under that I'm going to be on this week is the under on Josh Jacobs' rushing yards. And I'll take the under at 70.5 yards or higher. And that's actually a little bit lower than it's been. It's been available at 75.5 or higher in 10 straight weeks. 
Now, I'm thinking that it might drop a little bit based on the news that Derek Carr is being benched for the final two games of the season, and they're handing it over to Jared Stidham. Josh McDaniels has stated that he wants to get a better look at Stidham, which is a little bit surprising since he already had a look at him in New, in New England. Um, but he wants to see him actually out there on the field in NFL action for some reason. I, you know, I don't think anybody really believes that Sidham is the answer, so it's surprising that uh, they're making this move, especially since he does have a history with him uh, previous to this year. Uh, but for whatever reason, they're making that change, and so I, I would expect this line to drop a little bit just because it seems like they have really they've waved the white flag on the season. They're throwing it in. Um, so, but you know, I, I still think it'll be relatively high because Jacob has been so productive for them. They've been leaning on him a lot, and you know. He's still going to be featured in this game, obviously. But my thinking is, if Stidham's starting, if they want to get a look at Stidham, they also have two rookie running backs on the roster. They've got fourth-round pick Samir White, who did not play last week due to an ankle injury, but replacing him on the roster was Britton Brown, a seventh-round pick. If you're putting Stidham out there to see what you got in him, you know, don't you also want to give one of these other rookie running backs a chance? It certainly would make sense, especially if it's Samir White. If he's healthy enough to go... You know, you've waved the white flag on the season. Why wouldn't you give him some opportunities? So I think there's a really good chance that Jacob's usage takes a hit in this game. Now, if it doesn't, which it's possible it doesn't, especially if, if white isn't good to go, I don't think that they really think Britton Brown is anything of significance. So, you know, he was a seventh round pick. I don't think anyone has high expectations for him. So, you know, if, if he's the rookie in the backfield, maybe he doesn't uh, cut into Jacob's usage at all. But even if that's the case, I still, I'm still comfortable playing this because this is such a tough matchup against the 49ers. The 49ers allow 0.87 yards before contact per attempt to running backs, the third lowest rate. Now, Jacobs is obviously running behind a shaky Raiders offensive line. A line, a line has been inconsistent at times. He's benefited from the fact that they actually haven't played a lot of great run defenses this season. The Raiders have only played two teams that rank in the top 10 of that yards before contact allowed stat that I just referenced where the 49ers ranked third overall. And in those two games, Jacob's stat lines were 13 carries for 66 yards against the Titans, 17 carries for 67 yards against the Jaguars. So two of his less efficient games this year have been against these two, these other two top 10 defenses by this metric. So I think the 49ers are going to create issues for uh, Jacobs, even if he does see a significant workload. But obviously, we also have to factor in they might want to see more of Zamir White and or Britton Brown, depending on who's available for them in the backfield. And also, I mean, they've already stated they want to see Jarrett Sidham. So uh, they're not going to abandon the passing game at any point. I don't. I think that they're just going to continue to throw the ball and give him good opportunities. They obviously don't care about wins and losses at this point. If you're benching Derek Carr in favor of Jarrett Sidham, you don't care about the outcome of the game. That's just... You know, they've waved the white flag. So if the goal now moving forward is just to see the young guys play, you're probably going to give Stidham more opportunities regardless of you know what's happening out there on the field. You're just going to continue to put the ball in his hands and let him play. So I, I think that's just a number of reasons to expect Jacobs to see less usage and also to just not be very effective against a really good defense when he is out there. So I'm going to be on the under on Jacobs rushing yards so long as that number stays at 70 or higher. Another running back prop I like this week is the over on Saquon Barkley's rushing yards against the Colts. This is another one that I don't have a ton of advanced data to support it, but it's really it's based on two factors or, or really one big factor and a secondary factor. 
the biggest one is the Colts are just a joke of a team right now. <laughs> They're a mess. Um, and as we get into these final two weeks of the season, see everything they've been through this year, you know, they, they all the players are aware, even if they like Jeff Saturday, they're obviously all aware of the fact that this, that was a crazy hire. I'm sure there's people in that locker room that are kind of rolling their eyes and just ready for the season to be over. And their performance uh, last week against the Chargers kind of showed that, right? Like that did not look like a very competitive team, even less so than in the first few games of the Jeff Saturday era where they actually showed a little bit of a fight. But the losses have piled up now and it's just a mess. And it definitely looks like, you know, I, I wouldn't want to point a finger at any individual player, but collectively it looks like they're ready for the offseason. And so I don't expect a real competitive game here and so i think saquon barkley is going to get a lot of opportunities in this game because the game strip game script is going to allow for it and that's worked out really well for betting the over on his rushing yards this season just to put a few numbers behind that barkley averages 23 carries per game in giants victories 14 carries per game in losses now that's obvious all running backs have a slight discrepancy in their carries and victories and losses, but that's a big one for Barkley. They're, you know, they're a fairly smart coaching staff and they back off the run game when necessary. And so Barkley sees a lot more opportunities when the game is going in their favor. And as a result, he's hit the over on his rushing yard prop in six of eight Giants wins this season. So we expect this to be a pretty easy win for the Giants. I think Barkley sees a lot of touches right out of the gate. And, you know, even if the Colts are able to somewhat limit him because their run defense has been really the one true strength of this roster this season, even if they're able to somewhat limit him, I think volume just wins out and we're able to hit the over on Barkley's rushing yards this week. I've got a Monday night football prop for you this week, and I'm going to be on the under on Joe Burrow's passing yards against the Bills. This is following a little bit of a trend. Burrow has hit the over on his passing yards only twice in the last eight weeks. So the under has been a good bet for him uh, so far this season. I'll take the under so long as it's listed at 270 or higher. I think that there's a good chance we'll get that number based on where it's been available in uh, recent weeks. And a big reason why I like it more so this week than in the past is the Lyle Collins injury. He's done for the year with a torn ACL. Obviously, he had been playing right tackle for them, was a big offseason addition, provided them with some stability on an offensive line that was a mess last year. Now, as I said, their offensive line was a mess last year, and they still went to the Super Bowl and had a great passing game. Burrow is capable of playing behind an offensive line that is a mess. He proved it. But now at right tackle, Hakeem Adeniji steps in. Last week, after he was forced into action, he allowed five quarterback pressures and not even a full game. He's... He's brutal. He doesn't really belong out there. I, you know, to have him as one of your top backups, even let alone now being forced into action, it, I wouldn't feel comfortable with him in the even in the position that the Bengals put him in as a backup. He's been so bad throughout his career. I would not trust him because of this situation exactly. One injury late in the season, suddenly you're faced with you know going into the playoff, trying to make a playoff run with Hakeem Adeniji as your right tackle. It was a as much as the Bengals did upgrade their starters on the offensive line, they just don't have the depth to survive an injury like this. Now, I'll mention that Adeniji's PFF pass blocking grade last year in a full-time role at right guard 
was 36.1. And I'm not crazy about ever, you know, any type of number that tries to reduce a player down to one number. I'm not crazy about it. But at the extremes, they prove a point. And so that's why I'm mentioning it. 36.1. That's terrible. If you're familiar with PFF grades, it's on a zero to hundred scale. 50 is roughly average, but really everybody who sees significant action is well above that. If you've got a guy down at 36, that's that's the absolute bottom of the barrel. Not not even replacement level type player. Those are guys you don't want on the field. And so, yeah, I, I don't like these grades. You're certainly, you know, if if you'd like to just ignore those numbers, certainly reasonable. But I do think that at the extremes, the guys that rank at the very highest and the very lowest, like this, it definitely proves a point that that's not someone to the, that you want on the field. And so, as I said, they played with a bad offensive line last year, and Burrow was fantastic all through the late season into the postseason, he's absolutely capable of overcoming this. However, I think trying to read into what they're going to do in this matchup, they've already clinched the playoffs. Now, there's a lot to play for still. Seeding definitely matters, and they're alive for the number one seed. That definitely matters. But if I'm the Bengals, my philosophy would be what's much, much more important than seeding is a healthy Joe Burrow. I can survive not getting number one seed. I can survive not winning the division so long as I've got Joe Burrow. So if you've, you've got two games left to go, you've got a banged up offensive line that's not capable of fully protecting Burrow. I just don't think it makes sense to go all out and just try to continue with your usual offense and have Burrow take hit after hit, which is likely to happen with an energy at right tackle. It just makes sense to dial it back a little bit and ensure that no matter what, he stays healthy. That's more important than any seeding at this point in the season. So I think that it makes sense over these next two games to dial it back a little bit, be a little bit more conservative, and just make sure he doesn't get Burrow hurt because that's the most important thing. So we could see a little bit more of a run game, could see more quick, short passes, which the Bills are good at defending. We could see that in this game purely based on the fact that the offensive line is weak and they need to keep Burrow healthy. The other reason why I really feel strongly about this is if you're going to attack the Bills, leaning more on the run game is actually the way to do it. They don't have a true weakness on run defense, I would say. They're, they're At worst, they're decent in pretty much every aspect. But if I were going to attack them, I would attack them with the run game if you've got a decent run game, which you know the, the Bengals have had at times. And just to put some numbers behind that, the Bills are allowing 4.3 yards per attempt to running backs. That ranks 16th in the league, league average, essentially. As I said, they're not bad at anything. They're still league average at this. But one of the reasons why this is a weakness and why it could hurt them in certain matchups is the Bills are allowing 3.7 yards after contact per attempt to running backs. That ranks dead last in the league. Now, again, they've made up for it in other ways. They do get create havoc in the backfield they're able to create contact in the backfield create some negative plays in the run game and that's how they're able to kind of survive with that league average 4.3 yards per attempt rate to running backs but they miss tackles they let guys run through them and so if i were the bengals i would just try to be the more physical team in this matchup i would run the ball and attack them that way because number one it seems like a good way to attack the bills defense and number two you're keeping Burrow healthy, which it should be the priority over these final two weeks. So based on those two factors, I think that the Bengals passing game is limited a little bit against Buffalo. It is still Burrow against Josh Allen week 
could lose this by a lot. This could be a wild shootout because these two quarterbacks are capable of it. But I think running run game makes sense to attack the Bills defense. And I think taking the ball out of Burrow's hands a little bit just to keep him make just to keep him healthy also makes sense. So I'll be on the under on Burrow's passing yards on Monday night, so long as that number is at 270 or higher. All right, time for Thursday night football. We've got Cowboys at Titans. And I'm going to give you two props to be perfectly upfront about this. I don't love either of these. I probably wouldn't play either of these if this were just a you know, typical Sunday game. But you know, if you listen to the podcast all season, you know I always like to give out at least one Thursday night football prop because you know it's a game that a lot of us are watching and it's fun to have a little action on a Thursday night prop. So since the podcast comes out in the middle of the week, I like to give out at least one Thursday night prop. So I'm going to give you two. I think... I'm giving two because they basically follow the same logic. You could choose one or the other, or you could play both. I think the logic here is pretty solid, but the reason why I'm hesitant to really bet anything on this game is the Titans injuries. Obviously we've got Malik Willis at quarterback. We've got, it sounds like Derek Henry's not going to play. And there's a bunch of injuries on the Titans defense. Probably the most notable one is Jeffrey Simmons, which I'll, I'll get to in a minute. Cause I've got some stats on that. Just given all the injuries, you know, normally I would just want to stay away from a game where we've got so many injuries because it can obviously also affect the other side if it potentially turns into a blowout and you start to have playing time affected. So if you just want to sit this out, you are absolutely justified to sit this out. But if you want a little bit of action on Thursday night to make things interesting, the two props that I kind of like are the under on Ezekiel's rushing yards. Now this line is not posted because there's also Tony Pollard uh, is his status is up in the air. So Elliot's line is not posted yet, but I would take the under if it's available available at 55 yards or higher. And I would also take the over on CD Lamb's receptions at five and a half receptions. Now, one of the reasons I like this, again, setting aside the injury conversation for a moment, the Titans rank second in yards before contact allowed to running backs. They are a very good run defense. They create, create a lot of contact at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's going to limit Ezekiel Elliott's production this game because at this point in his career, he's not really an explosive player. He's not a guy that's going – you can't really count on him having you know, multiple runs of 10 or more yards to boost his yardage total. He needs to just sort of consistently get you four or five yards. And in those games, which he's done plenty of times this season, he's going to hit the over on his rushing yardage. But against a team like the Titans that's capable of consistently hitting on the backfield, consistently limiting him to one, two, three-yard carries, he needs a huge volume to hit the over on his total. And, you know, late in the season especially, they're not going to give him the volume. They have not given him a, a massive volume at all this year. They want to keep him fresh going into the playoffs at this point in the season especially. So I, I just don't think that there's any reason to believe that they're going to give him the volume needed in this game. And They've faced three other teams that rank in the top 10 in that yards before contact stat, Washington, Minnesota, and Jacksonville. And I'll just quickly run through his stat lines from those games. Against Washington, Elliott had 19 carries for 49 yards, 2.6 yards per attempt. Against Minnesota, 15 for 42 yards, that's 2.8 yards per attempt. Then against Jacksonville, 16 carries for 58 yards, that's 3.6 yards per attempt. So as I said, he's not the type of player who's going to regularly break off a long run or multiple runs of 10 or more yards so when he's facing these defenses that are creating so much contact in the line of scrimmage he's limited to just two and three yards on almost every play and that just doesn't add up with the usage that he's getting he's getting 15 16 17 carries a game you know he 
in order to hit the over against one of these teams, he needs to break off a long run. And that's just not very likely against a team like the Titans. Now, there's a bunch of injuries on the Titans defense. Maybe they'll be terrible. Maybe Elliott runs all over them. It's plausible. But I think the scheme has been really important because they've been without guys this year. Zach Cunningham is one of the guys that they're going to be without this week, and they've been without him for a significant portion of the season already. Another guy, Jeffrey Simmons, that they're going to be out. I mentioned he's probably the, the really the biggest name, the most important guy that they're going to be without. But I dug into some stats on how they are with and without Simmons on the field in the run game, and they're kind of surprising. With Simmons on the field, running backs are gaining 3.7 yards per attempt, and the Titans are contacting the ball carrier at or behind the line of scrimmage on 51% of those carries. Both of those numbers are awesome. Titans run defense is fantastic with Simmons on the field. When Simmons is not on the field, and this is an 80-carry sample size. There were, I, there were 197 carries with Simmons on the field. There's 80-carry sample size with Simmons not on the field. So it's not an insignificant sample size that we have here because he does rotate off the field at times. When he's not on the field, running backs are getting 3.1 yards per attempt, and the Titans are contacting the ball carrier at or behind the line of scrimmage on 53% of attempts. Both of those numbers are actually better. Now, I would certainly not argue that the Titans are a better defense without Jeffrey Simmons. That's not the case. There is a little bit of a sample size factor here because he did miss a game earlier this year against the Broncos. And if you've been listening to the podcast throughout the year, you know what I think about the Broncos run game. It's been a disaster. So there's a little bit of a sample size issue there with some of those carries, but that was fewer than 20 carries in that Broncos game by running backs. We're dealing with an 80 carry sample size. So the majority of this is spread out against multiple teams throughout the course of the season. And, you know, they're they're not better with Simmons, despite what the numbers say. They're not better with Simmons off the field. But these numbers and a pretty decent sample size prove that they are not dramatically worse with him off the field either. So I don't think that Simmons is a significant loss for them, at least in this one-game sample size when it comes to defending the run. I think the Titans are going to be able to defend the run just fine in this game. Now, the other... The other uh, prop that I mentioned here was the over on C.D. Lamb's receptions. And basically this is because, well, there, there's two factors here. A big part of it is if they're slowing down the run game, a really easy way to pivot is to just give use the quick passing game a little bit more. And Lamb plays a really big role in that. The other reason why I like the over on Lamb's receptions, it's available at five and a half right now. If Tony Pollard doesn't play, Lamb should also see a boost because he does see a significant portion of the short passing game you know Michael Gallup is their other significant weapon you know he saw a heavy workload last week against Philly but Gallup does a lot of work on the outside and down the field he's not really a part of the dink and dunk portion of the Cowboys offense that's Pollard and that's Lamb so if the run game is getting slowed and they go to more of it that's going to boost Lamb's opportunities if Pollard doesn't play that probably also boosts Lamb's opportunities so you could have two reasons there why lamb gets a little bit of a boost so for that reason i suppose if i were only choosing one of these props to bet i would take the over on lamb's receptions at five and a half but i think there's a pretty strong argument why elliott's rushing yards are going to be limited in this game and oh i almost forgot to mention this but another reason why to uh consider the under on elliott is this game could get real ugly and so elliott you know by the time the second half rolls around uh, they could just pull him off the field in an effort to keep him fresh. Obviously, you have an aging running back. You want to keep him fresh heading into the playoffs. So if his usage gets limited, 
that's just another reason to think that he's going to struggle to hit the over on this prop. So I, just again, those two props that I kind of like are Elliott's rushing yards if the number is 55 or higher and the over on CD Lamb's receptions at five and a half. That's it for this week's show. Hope you enjoy week 17 and hope you uh, turn a profit this week as well.